Hello, everybody. Crypto traders around the world. We're back with another episode of Crypto Talk Radio, found at CryptoTalkRadio.net, a.k.a. Basic Cryptonomics. Thank you for joining here today. My name is Leister. I'm your host. We've got a couple topics I want to go through. First, let's get the particulars out of the way, and then we'll jump right into this. Once again, that site is CryptoTalkRadio.net. That's where you're going to find all of our past, present, and future podcast episodes. The podcast is on all major podcasting platforms as well. Feel free to check that out. Let us know what you think. Link at the top says contact. Click that. Fill out the form. Come straight in. We read each and every one of those. We appreciate hearing feedback from our listeners, whether you're a subscriber or not. We would appreciate your subscription if you're a first-time listener. We again welcome you here. We think you're going to find it's completely different from any other crypto podcast that's out there. And hopefully you get great enrichment to the point that you feel like you want to spread the word out there. The last thing I'll call out is our triad membership. The triad is where we are trying to build a community of serious investors, not the kids that say the word Jeet and say the word Keck and can't half read. We're talking serious investors that believe there's something to this cryptocurrency thing and they want to talk to other grown adults, other serious people. Get away from the toxicity. Check it out on the site. Click on triad. It'll tell you about our different tiers for joining the full on triad. If you still have questions, you can join us in our discord channel. CryptoTalkRadio.net slash Discord will take you straight there. And anybody will be happy to answer any questions you may have. Given that, let's go ahead and jump right into our content for today's episode. Let's uh, breeze through the personal updates, folks. Just a side note. If you're not part of the Discord found at CryptoTalkRadio.net slash Discord, I do recommend you do. Uh, Join the rest of us. We have some good chatter going on. And for the duration of February, those in the Discord get the opportunity to listen to the podcast recording live to just kind of show. CryptoTalkRadio.net is never scripted. Go straight off the cuff. No errors, no mistakes, no scripts. We just go. Now, let me give a personal update. Won't take a long time. I think it's important. I'm not happy. And I want to just explain because this may affect other people. But bottom line, with this car business, so... The next step in this fiasco potentially is to sell the car to a salvaging yard. I haven't committed this in my mind. I still have one other trump card that I have to play, and that is to reach out to the company that owned the car prior to the dealer that sold it to me. I want to summarize what happened. So at some point in the past, the owner of the vehicle, it got stolen from them, and then it was vandalized as they were trying to break into it, basically. So I don't know the specifics about the vandalism. However, it was reported the insurance company paid the person fully for the total loss. Later, police were able to recover the vehicle. So the car's fine. There was nothing wrong with it. The insurance company, having gotten it back, they had submitted it total loss, but then now they put it up for auction with a clean title in California. I'm not sure how California justified a clean title. I'll get to that in a second. So it goes to auction in California. The dealer who I bought it from bought it from that auction house, registered it in Arizona. Arizona issued a clean title. Okay, so then I look at it. It's got a clean title, certified clean title. I have the title here in my hand. Everything's clean as far as I can tell. Arizona called it clean. California called it clean. Never any issues. Nevada comes along when I'm trying to register it. And this is why I can't freaking stand Nevada. Nevada says, well, I see this record in the past of the theft record, which is valid. There is a theft record. Now, the thing is, it doesn't show us a theft record on the report that I pulled. 
But I know this is a theft record because the dealer who sold it to me disclosed it was a theft record in the past. So he was transparent about that. But the report didn't show any evidence of a theft record. So that's weird. Didn't show any evidence of any problem. Everything looks clean on the report that I paid for. So then he's telling me, no, it's clean. I got it clean. California was clean. It's clean throughout. Nevada, because there was a record of theft, they treat it as a salvage automatically and they force you to register it as a salvage title. But then they say, if we do that, you basically can't drive the car, so you might as well sell the damn thing, okay? And then you can do a rebuilt title if it was rebuilt. Well, the car was never damaged, so there's no rebuild, thus it would be stuck as a salvage title. So I had gone to the bodega I was talking about. They first came back with this and I fought it, got my money back. I went to a different place that's right down the road that I didn't know was there because they don't advertise it. But this was a lot more good expertise here. She was explaining it and said, here's why. It's because they just, they treat it that way if they see any record of this. So what she suggested is contact the insurance company that sold it at auction because they may be able to revoke what they reported because they shouldn't have because it's not a loss because I clearly have the car. <laughs> it's not a loss if I got the car. So I've got to, I basically funneled to the BBB. I was like, screw you guys. Let's go to the BBB. Let them chase them down and force a response and see what they say. If they can somehow clean up the record, I can register it and then I can sell it. I got a really good offer from CarMax for the car because it's it's in really good shape. It's actually low mileage. It's in very good shape. And I just replaced the catalytic converter. So it essentially runs like a new car. So I'm eager to sell it, but for a good price. I did some quotes on salvaging yards. They're talking like 4,000 bucks. That doesn't work for me, brother. And then... On the East Coast then, they're like, yeah, we'll give you 9000 deep, deep, deep. So I'm like, man, it's just screwed up Nevada. So that's my situation is I can't register the car yet because of this fiasco. I'm not going to register it salvage and totally take its value. I want to see if the insurance company can come back with something that's a little bit more palatable. If they cannot do, then I'll have to sell to a salvage yard and just kind of cut and run. Then there's other cars that are more my fancy, and I'll just have to foot the bill and buy another car and just call the you know, the original 10 grand a total uh, wash. So that's where I'm at. So I'm stuck because while theoretically I could drive the other part of this, I could drive up to the other state and see if they're willing to register it and not call it salvage. If they say that they will, I'm, I'll have to just risk the drive. That's where I'm at. I'm going to find that out this week, hopefully tomorrow. And if they don't, <laughs> I'm back to square one. So now the rest of this is going to be cryptocurrency, and it may sound like I'm bragging at points, and I do apologize. And by the way, if you're new, welcome. I don't mean to come across braggadocious. I don't intend to. It's not, I'm not trying to, but what's happening here is comical to me. Let's get into this. Follow me on this magic carpet ride, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not going to say, I told you so. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to repeat what I said before. And all I've ever said is people come back, give my credit, but I'm going to repeat what I said before. I said, and I, I have a YouTube video, check our YouTube channel out, cryptotalkradio.net slash YouTube for more coverage that's not on the podcast. But on the YouTube, I covered a video. And I said, is this the start of the bull run? And I said, I don't think it's a start yet. I think we got some ways to go. I think there are too many outside factors affecting cryptocurrency. I think it's a little bit premature. I think we're close, but we got a little bit ways to go. 
certain people didn't listen to Leicester, which is okay. But I didn't feel like we're at a bull run. Let's talk numbers, shall we? Using Ethereum, which is my personal favorite, Ethereum's hovering around the 1630 mark after a 24-hour high of 17, close to 1720. So almost down 100 bucks is Ethereum. That's quite a bit. It's not like a major crash, but it's quite a bit down from where people thought it was going to go during the claims of a bull run. Then when we looked at Bitcoin, people said, yep, Bitcoin's going to go past 25 and go to 28. Deep, deep, deep. Bitcoin's currently hovering at just shy of 24,000. It hit the 25, 24-hour high, 25 and 2, bounced back and went down. I wouldn't say it's crapping or crashing, but it was a pretty steep down, you know, and then we have to see where it happened. It may test it again. My point, my only point has been, all I said was I didn't think we're at the bull yet. It's not to, you know, give you negative sentiment or make you feel depressed. I'm not trying to do that. I'm, I'm simply calling it like I feel and sharing my sentiments based on what I see and all I'm doing and you are free. And I encourage you to follow along. I look at, in my case, I use coindesk.com, but you can use tradingview.com or any of the other sites that give you graphs, but I use coindesk.com. I zoom out to the month chart. It's the first thing I do. I think too many people get hung up on the one hour chart and they'll either FOMO out or FOMO in. They'll look at the four hour and they'll do the same thing. One day, do the same thing. So they'll assume a bull run, like say here, the week chart might make you feel good, but that's not enough sample data to really make a strong decision, in my opinion. I think the one month gives us a really good perception of where things are. I think the one year is misleading. So if you look at the one year, it gives you the sense that we're in major, major trouble, but it's misleading because it's there's more data in this one. The one year actually tells us we're in a strong position, just not a bull position. The one month, my measure is as simple as, do I see more green than red? If I see more green than red, I see stability. If I don't see any red at all, I see somewhat upward. Then I look at percentage of upward. So this is a 24 hours percentage and 24 hour change. The 24 hour change being about $1,000 off. And I said that also on the Ethereum side tells me, it down, tells me that, well, we rejected and we have to see what happens next. Not a bull run yet. That's all I said. And I, you know, I would love to have a bull run. It would feel good to me. I mean, I'm not trying to say we shouldn't have one by now. We certainly should. I just said, I don't think we're there yet. I think we've got a ways to go. So overall, I think the industry is in a good spot. Like if I look at BNB, BNB looks extremely bullish in the long term, just not the short term. BNB looks more bullish than the rest of it though. So I can use BNB as a measure and say, we're going to get out of it. You know, we're going to be fine, but it's going to be hard to pin down like Q1 and confidently say that we're going to be okay just based on Q1 because Q1 does not look like strong upward to me. Q1 looks like middling, not quite crapping, but middling, not where we should be. Bitcoin, it will recover and it will recover strong. Like I think once I said on the YouTube, I think we're due one more good crash. I said the bottom is to me 10, 12,000. That bottom might go up based on any sort of buy pressure that comes in. 
based on any downward that we experience based on my prediction, should it be correct. But I think Bitcoin is going to hit the ground and it's going to blow up. I think Bitcoin's going to explode. That's my perception. Based on the graph and the fact that it's like breakout, it's like wanting to break out. I think Bitcoin is going to break out huge, huge. I don't think Ethereum is going to come strong, but I don't think Ethereum is going to come nearly as strong now as it was before. Because before, Ethereum was on schedule to go up to five uh, figures. I don't see that same strength of buy-in. It's possible with Bitcoin's upward that we do get to that point. I'm saying that Bitcoin is the one right now that I see has the strongest potential to go on a major shuttle ride, a magic carpet ride, upward, higher than it ever did before. I'm going to stress again and repeat because I want people to understand. There are always these other factors, though. All these external things play into factor and they affect that prediction, whether mine or someone else's, where we can't say with confidence. We can't say 100%. It's all sentiments, how we feel. We can read the graph, but when you have the external factors, they throw off what should otherwise be predictable graph movement. I'm simply telling you that my gut tells me right now, Bitcoin is the one that has the strongest upward potential and that's going to be long-term. So if you're in Bitcoin, I'm talking long play. I'm not talking short. If you're one of the gambler sorts or you want to day trade, that's fine. Just you got to time it. The volatility is not that high. So you may not get significant pro profit potential in the short day trading. If you're a long haul and you're just stacking long haul, stacking long haul, I think you're going to smile at the end of this tunnel. I think we're going to be in a good spot. And the more Bitcoin that people stack for those that believe in it, I think you have a great potential of getting major amounts of profit, again, barring all the other external factors that play in. The external factors are the only reason that nobody can really tell you what's truly going to be the case. Let's talk about a couple of news bits and updates, and this won't take too long. This will wrap up our episode. A lot of concern has circled around the SEC and what they refer to in the business as shadow rule taking. Shadow rule taking is the idea. So with the SEC, they've always talked about the Howey test. Recently, some of the actions they've done have been irrespective of passing the Howey test. People have been concerned. How is it that you can call this a security? Binance USD in this case, XRP. How is it you can call all these things securities? And there's nothing behind it. They don't pass the Howey test. And what people didn't understand, the SEC has the authority to declare anything it wants a security. It's been doing so. Gary Gensler has been coming out on a repeated basis talking about this is security, this is security. You're not registering that. You're not registering that. The business, the industry has been frustrated because there's not been clean, clear, in black letter rules. It's kind of been spitballing in their approach. Fortunately, cryptocurrency has rejected and rebuffed some of this action and they bought in instead of dumping excessively. We're seeing some sales, but we're not seeing the the significant dumps that we would have seen before. Bitcoin's in a unique position because Bitcoin for the longest time has been perceived as a commodity, not a security. So it's been considered somewhat the safest asset that's out there. Here's the challenge though. Some people believe that Bitcoin is actually heavily centralized. Some people believe that Bitcoin is heavily manipulated. Some people believe that Bitcoin is being controlled by big money. I would agree with pretty much all but one of those. The point, though, is that SEC going after all these other opportunities for profit, 
then has a ripple effect, no pun intended, if you take Binance USD. If people are nervous about Binance USD and the effect of the SEC's finding, they may sell their Binance USD, or in this case, buy into some project with their Binance USD, effectively dumping it. And if there's not excessive burns in the excess supply, you can get into an inflation situation as more is put back in circulation. So it's possible that it's a good thing that this ruling happened on Binance USD because it spurs purchases of what most people consider the safest alternative, that being Bitcoin. Now, I don't have any evidence of this, but there are theories floating around social media that that's what people are doing, that these pumps that we see recently are really just people taking their Binance USD and buying into Bitcoin to get out of Binance USD and put it into something a little bit reasonably safe to kind of hold the line. The pro of that is, of course, the pump and the opportunity to take profit. The con of that is the risk that they dump and sell out and then cause a little bit more red and then cause some FOMO. Nobody knows what's going to happen. Nobody knows this is true. Nobody knows what really is the case. I'm simply sharing what people's thoughts are. That this pump is, I don't want to say fake, but artificial. That it's not driven by demand. It's driven simply by getting out of Binance USD. Robbing Peter to pay Paul, to use a term. Shibarium is on near en route to its launch. And Bone, which is supposed to be the gas token for Shibarium, started running. Did a run up. A long time ago, I told people they may consider getting into Bone and stacking it early. And some people were able to get major amounts of Bone. Bone, of course, will be required to pay gas fees. So if you were stacking Bone, you might have made a mint on this most recent run-up because Bone got as low as, I want to say, like 30 cents or something. And it's up to $1.87 not long ago. It's, it's running. And so if people were... Loyal to the ecosystem, which I wasn't, but if you were loyal, I do have some bone and all fair disclosure, but it's a small amount. It was never a major amount. It was really just kind of not dust level, but it was a, it was a holdover from when I sold for profits. But anybody that believed in it and stuck with it is en route to make some major amounts of money um, with the bone token and the Shibarium ecosystem as Shibarium launches. So that's good news for those that believe in the ecosystem. Separately, for those that don't fully believe in the ecosystem, MasterCard recently announced their plans to allow crypto payments via USDC settlements. I'm not going to focus on the MasterCard part. That's not really very interesting to me. What is interesting to me, of course, is the fact that it's tied to USDC. Once again, USDC has been out there. Again, they were rumored to be the ones who dimed out, quote unquote, Binance USD to the SEC. USDC has been largely left alone, and it feels like there's a huge amount of centralization happening around USDC and favoritism, where all the other stable coins are being attacked. I'm just saying, I'm not making a statement of definitive fact. I'm saying that I find it very interesting that the USDC is being influenced in this manner. How this is intended to work, and I think it's a bit of okie doke, but I'll describe it in case somebody's interested. How it's intended to work is you will be able to use your wallet to make crypto payments without relying on a third party. That's the plan on this. So you'll take this settlement provider, which is transparent to you, and it'll take USDC that's in your wallet. It'll make a transaction. So like in the descent side, if you use your USDC to make a purchase, it connects your wallet, you send the transaction, it reconciles using blockchain, and da-da-da. In this one, it's basically the same thing. You would connect your wallet, you submit the USDC via this transaction, 
and it converts it to fiat. So it's not really using cryptocurrency in its form. It's still converting it to a fiat because as I said before, you're never going to get away from fiat. So for those that are intrigued by that, I do encourage you to check out that. Just do a search for MasterCard USDC and you're going to hit telling you about what's going on there and just keep an eye on it because maybe it does turn into something. There was a while back, there was a lady online and she went for by the name Crypto Queen. Crypto Queen, her real name, Ruzhi Natova, she was added to the FBI's 10 most wanted fugitives. This was last year. Apparently, she had taken over $4 billion through a crypto company ages ago. The theory running around now is that this person, this uh, crypto queen, was killed by uh, by people that were following orders of a drug lord. Like, there's this whole shady business and that she had been killed for some other separate reason. Now, nobody can prove this, but that's what's that's the messaging that's going around. Apparently, the police have some evidence that she may actually even have ended up in the bottom of some uh, body of water. A very interesting, shady case. I said on one of my past episodes at CryptoTalkRadio.net, it wouldn't surprise me if the mob, and when I say the mob, I don't just mean the United States. I mean, regardless, mob was in cryptocurrency in some form. So I can't say for a fact that she got killed and she was dead or any of that. Don't know that answer. It wouldn't surprise me, but I can't say for a fact. What I'm saying is it also wouldn't surprise me if the mob was in cryptocurrency and some of these other people, rich people, that were killed, that were super wealthy in cryptocurrency, also ended up with so-called concrete shoes. So in summary, folks, there's a lot going on in cryptocurrency that does not seem to be, you know, causing the major crash out, right? We don't see the major amount of dumps because of Gary Gensler or because of Poof here anymore. Even the Binance fiasco with taxes has not caused major amounts of dumps. What we also don't see though, folks, and I'll just say it, I don't care. I don't see significant amounts of new money flowing into cryptocurrency. When we had the 2021 run and prior That was the big thing. We had major amounts of money, new money, flowing into cryptocurrency that I don't think we have now. And since we don't seem to have that, I am not convinced, frankly, that we're in the bull run yet. Doesn't mean we won't get there. Doesn't mean we're not close. Doesn't mean it's not just a matter of time. I'm saying that if we don't see major amounts of new money flowing into cryptocurrency, if we don't see a significant number of institutionals flying into cryptocurrency, if we don't see greater change amounts than 400 bucks or 800 bucks, I simply don't believe in my feeling that we're in a, in a bull run yet. That's all. And I, I encourage you to try to hold my statement and compare it against others that are making statements to the contrary, where they believe that we're right at the bull and it's that time, do, do, do. compare mine against theirs and we'll see. I'm just, for me, it doesn't feel like we're there yet. Even though there's a lot going on, I don't see the major crap out. That's a positive sign, right? We're not seeing that people are just dumping because of this news. We're seeing that people are holding the line, which is what we want them to do. We don't want them to dump out. The missing element, I think, is having more money flow in, new money flow in, institutionals flow in. Until we get that, I can't in good confidence and conscience declare it as a bull run. Rather, it feels like we're stable, much more stable than we were last year. Feels like there's at least greater confidence 
in holding the line and less desire to sell, you know, liquidations be whatever, but there's less desire to just fickly sell. But until we get new money, really new money flowing in, and I believe that's a byproduct of a bad economy. If we can't get new money flowing in, none of the confidence is going to matter. It's going to hold the line. I do say that once we get more regulation, smart regulation, let me be clear, I think we'll see a lot more predictability in the graphs, predictability in the price movement, and a stronger position of cryptocurrency going forward. I'll say what I've been saying, and you've heard, if you've been listening for a while, you've heard me say it. If you're new, you'll hear me for the first time. The core coins can never steer you wrong. I maintain this. If you're a gambler and you want to go out to the garbage, I celebrate you, I respect you. But the core coins can never steer you wrong. They simply cannot do. So I am looking at it in that vein. I'm looking at it as these main ones. That's where the money's going to come back in. In the worst case, I'm saying. In the worst case, you diversify your portfolio and multiple things go down. But then when we hit the bull run, multiple things go up. You could go into one that you fully believe in, whether Bitcoin or something else, sure. And in the best case there, that one craps and you don't get any profit out of it. In the worst case, it does go into run up, but it's only that one instead of multiplicative climb. I'm going to lean towards the diversity of portfolio, multiple different things you're investing in at different levels, different confidences. In the worst case, all of them run up, all of them crash down. As long as it's money you're affording, you're okay losing. I don't see it as a problem. And I would rather, in my case, see that in a diverse portfolio, maybe 10 of them go down and five of them go up and kind of balance each other out. And then DCA on both sides. Maybe that's the strategy. Or again, you could just go into one that you believe in and that's all you deal with. Or for some, you completely avoid it. I'm not telling you to do it with your money. I'm just saying for me, I think we've got a little bit more time to go, but we're right there close. Pick your strategy accordingly. Be smart about it. No matter what, make sure all your bills are paid. Food's on the table. On Casual Talk Radio, I'm going to tell a story, something I learned very recently, why that statement is very critical. Keep food on the table. Keep roof over the head. Take care of your family first. Don't get stuck in this crypto thing because it can have dire <laughs> consequences for certain people that simply aren't cut out for it. That's going to do it for today's episode of Crypto Talk Radio, found at CryptoTalkRadio.net. I want to thank you for listening here today. I know you have choices, whether you're a new listener or a subscriber. We appreciate each and every one of you. Check out our site, CryptoTalkRadio.net. We have a contact form, the link's at the very top. We'd love to hear from you and how we're doing and what you like or what you don't like. We read each and every one of those. Also, check out our triad. The triad is a community that we're working to build forward of strong, smart investors the ones that want to lead us into the next generation of cryptocurrency to evolve cryptocurrency into a more mature investment strategy for people, help people as they're growing and they get into this space. We don't want the ones that say the word Jeet and the ones that will say the word Kek. We want the ones that treat this as a serious thing. Join us on our journey. Until next time, take care, be safe. Please don't YOLO into projects, any project. It doesn't matter what it is. Be smart with your investments. Make sure you always keep a roof over your head, food on your table. Your family comes first. Don't get stuck in this. Our goal is to try to help keep you safe, but we're only an informing source. There are a lot of sources out there, some of which are not really looking out for you. They're looking out for themselves. So always be careful with the advice that you take and what you do with that information is up to you, but just be smart about it is all we ask. 
See you next episode.